Hello everyone and welcome to yet another episode of Play the Ball podcast. So in this episode we will be talking about the news that came out earlier this week about uh, Chelsea firing manager Frank Lampard and replacing him with former PSG manager Thomas Tuchel. So in this episode we will be looking at what went wrong with Frank and uh, you know how what his relationship with his players and his um, off the field team has went about and uh, how new manager Thomas Tuchel will uh, you know adapt to the Premier League and uh, how he will bring his ideas and implement to this extremely talented Chelsea squad so i have sai with me welcome sai um, so if you remember sai last episode uh, we were talking about you know we were predicting when um, lampard will get uh, fired so we were talk i think i said he will probably be given a couple more months you were talking about champions league but he was fired sooner than we expected yeah exactly like we were saying he needs a bit more time because uh, this is actually a long term project which they are trying to build they are planning it for a 3 year premier league title run and uh, for that you need a lot of time and i thought this stuff is going to come for a rookie manager because even the other rookie managers in the premier league have faced this and they the other board has stuck with them and i don't think chelsea is that kind of a board so we expected them to give him a bit more time at least till february end or something but then i'm not really surprised when the news came uh, because that's how ruthless they are oh yeah agree sai like like you said we have um, only in manchester united and uh, arteta and arsenal they've been given time and they've been given the sort of been given the players they wanted and it seems like a project going but uh, roman abramovich is not that kind of a person is he so he wants a project happening but at the same time he wants his result and the last ever since his takeover um, you know it's been ruthless i think Mourinho is the long the manager who lasted long under Abramovich around 3 years and that says a lot about the Chelsea as a club and how he runs things but it has brought them results so you know whatever is running with that so is successful with that yeah uh, so i guess this is a nice segue to get started with what happened in the Lampard era for Chelsea first so what happened here it's like how will you define a Lampard era Chelsea, like, what were its tactics and how did he go about with his players and everything? Uh, oh yeah, yes, I will. We'll dive deep into what the Chelsea problems were, but before we get into that, uh, I like to give our listeners a small, a quick, you know, a brief details about how Lampard sets his Chelsea side up. So, generally, Lampard plays with a four-three-three, right? Um, so, um, you you have your back four with. one holding midfielder with an lcm rcm and you have a three uh, forwards right so um, and he has a target man in either oliver giroud or um, tammy abram you know who two strikers who are very capable of occupying both the defender both the center uh, center back so that you know they can uh, take them off or drag them out of position or or they could do that you know being a proper target man or two strikers who could actually drop deep and you know help with the link up play and allow the wingers or the advanced midfielders to run forward and play off him right so like we said in that 433 we had two eights it's generally been uh, mason mount and havertz you know two midfielders who like who whose work rate is high and you know they can advance to the op- op- opposition final third and you know where they can affect um, the attack the you know the opposite they can target the opposition uh, goal uh, with the contributions and um, actually that i always felt the signing of uh, thiago silva was good because you know zuma zuma is someone who is a good central defender um, i have to say but uh, he is a sort of person who reminds me a lot of varan in the sense that he needs a proper leader alongside him you know to properly guide him and all that and silva coming in has actually made zuma perform really well um, so he has been helping out in positionally or you know um, helping make better uh, decisions uh, live decisions you know real time stuff and you have both obviously we have a summer signing um, chilwell and uh, a really good in my view really good full back in reese james who loves to go forward at the first chance right so um, so you have uh, you have your replacement goalie in uh, mendy who has been an upgrade to kepa which is I have to say honestly it's not a big deal the way his uh, form has been right in the last few months and then obviously we have your wingers so either both the wingers are pacing pulisic or werner 
or uh, you know uh, if zh is playing so zh occupies a right wing so that you can you can drift in and allow james to push forward so in this in a way a lot of this um, you know uh, system does reminds you a lot about um, the 2004 when uh, mourinho came to take over chelsea right so when he first came to take over chelsea um, so this is what he used to play he used to play with a 433 he he was probably the one who revolutionized after asamenga right who bought in the single striker system with um, so oliver giroud used to play the same role like drogba used to do you know occupying the center halves you know dragging them out of positions and you have two pacey wingers in damian duff and uh, arian robben right um and you have your center back in gallas and uh, Al- uh, uh, ashley cole later on who came in so um and two center backs who were capable of passing the ball well as well as you know being rock solid so in a way there's a lot of um, similarities to jose's first uh, tenure uh, formation but with of course the modern takes that we find in a modern uh, 433 so this is how uh, lampard you know sets up his um, team right um, so this is just a brief overview of how uh, lampard you know goes about that that has been a system even in derby actually even in derby used to play with the same similar system with the 433 and he has brought the same system to chelsea as well so with that being said right so i like to you know first we'll, we'll first we'll stick to the on the field stuff right so chelsea has been great for i think the last um, i think when they won against leeds in december they were the top of the group and we were like you know chelsea is living up to their hype of you know being uh, champions you know uh, who are supposed to challenge uh, liverpool and city for the title and all that stuff and it, it was going well they were at the top of the group but since december uh, chelsea has just won like three games in nine and it's the remaining six games have not even been draws it's been five losses in that so actually initially at, until that point um so chelsea was the second team behind tottenham who considered the least i think if i am right they considered only 10 goals in the first 10 games and uh, seemingly all going well but then after that it's just been massive depth they've considered 13 in the next nine and they went from the having the second best defense to the sixth worst defense in the in the league right and uh, there's a lot of factors to it actually we'll start from the defensive side so starting with mendy actually we were talking about we were praising out mendy you know when he came in he has been having five to six continuous clean sheets in all competitions all that you know chelsea seems to be clicking but then mendy's form has also been gone down i think since since december his save percentage has only been like 70% like less than 70% i think close to 69% which uh, is okay in a general sense but it, if you look at the context because i think only city's ederson has faced less shots than him so 69% is bad it's a very bad return for a goalkeeper in a top 6 club so it's obvious that mendy is just a short term fix and they really need to invest more unless you know uh, i don't really see kepa coming back but in case if he suddenly gets in a uh, spell of good form um, they will need new goalkeeper for sure and i think as far as i know mendy has considered 7.7 goals per game more than he should and and all these defensive problems right so um i i don't see much fault in silva and thiago to be the back four i mean they have making mistakes but they they have been playing the same way it's just i think it's a lot to do with the midfield as well so actually when when you say defense so you know how we credit the defenders and the goalkeepers for clean sheets but actually a clean sheet is all i have always been of that view like a clean sheet should for be the entire team because your defense start from the striker right your striker starts the first sort of defensive wall then comes your wingers then comes your midfield then your defense those are your last line of defenses right so kante kante since the lockdown has been in poor form he hasn't been great he is the one you know who is supposed to give that protection to the defense uh, like the role that he we have so used to seeing uh, at leicester or at um, chelsea under kante and all that and he has been sloppy he has been giving away the ball a lot and you know um, he is not been good form his pressing has been erratic and it's not just related kante mason mount has been in good form but even then there seems to be no direction in the way chelsea presses right so it just seems erratic so there is there seem like some sort of a system the first few games but for some reason it's been erratic it seems directionless so 
there's there's been a a, a concerning uh, change in how they press in the midfield as well and the biggest concern is from the midfield and uh, they're not able to assert dominance in games when they where they should be doing it because they have a very good midfield and especially if you're playing against bottom clubs like fulham and all the your midfield is supposed to dominate the game they have not been anywhere close to that and that's been a concern because it has been uh, it has been going on for a while especially in the top biggest uh, sides as well so they have not won a uh, game yet against the top six clubs so far and they even lost against uh, arsenal as well recently a 3-1 so um, the midfield has been out of form so which has led to obviously um, you know the defense facing more and more attack from the opposition side i think chelsea has considered 3.5 goals more than expected at the start of season so that's concerning 3.5 for a you know club that was supposed to be aiming at the top should it's extremely high so uh, there's a big problem there and again so i was talking about the midfield right so again if you take two i'm just taking an example of two games one against city and one against arsenal they had a lot of possession i think against uh, city if i remember right it was around 55% of the ball against pep guardiola side and against arsenal it was somewhere around on the higher side close to 60 60% 50 yeah, to 60 i guess well. kind of in those games uh, the game was already over when they got a the lot of possessions i guess and yeah. it was i think it was 3 nil and also 3 nil in both the games where they started having a lot of balls and uh, i think the those managers were kind of comfortable with chelsea having the ball because they had no idea how to come back from a at that big of a deficit oh i i agree sir um the most of the this thing possession has come from after they have conceded the goals and again even with possessions that they kept conceding chances to the team so i think against city they faced in spite of higher possession they faced around 18 shots against city and 15 shots against arsenal respectively that's no that's that's ridiculous number for a side supposed to be you know challenging at the top and we have been talking so much about midfield and the defense the attack has been um, it, i don't know what uh, okay so um, how lampard's biggest problem was not able to get the best out of havertz which will get to that but werner it's not been the case um, there have been games where i felt like werner could be used better but generally he has been playing uh, werner in a way that werner likes to play even if system does not fit him well he has played him in a position like an inside left forward or as a number 9 right so and uh, it's just been a matter of confidence he started well werner actually if you look at his numbers across all competitions he has decent return returns yeah, exactly. for a young striker you know who has come to premier league you know adjusting to the league but he has been so poor in the finishing i mean we have been seeing a lot of videos and clips about him having that shocking you know miss against brighton but he's generally been he has he has notes scored in the last 12 games and he actually has a very high xg is around 6.8 he should be scoring around there where but actually in the last it, it, he has only scored four in the premier league which is like 2.8 higher than you know his return which is four goals right um again if you if you divided like like the rest of chelsea if you divided pre december post december even pre december he was actually taking 2.4 sh- shots per uh, 90 and now it's increased after since then it's increased to 2.9 per 90 but there's been absolutely no return there's been no goals nothing and his shot conversion rate is just 25% a poor return uh, it's actually a shocking return for someone of his his quality i'm a big fan of uh, timo werner and i generally felt like it's like i said like in some games i did feel like frank was playing him in like a playmaking winger role which is not his really strength he was more like you know get the ball to him in transition and ask him to cut inside and take a shot at the goal that's his strength actually against leipzig he had a, quite a lot of goals yeah, um, and i guess even in leipzig his shots numbers are actually pretty high i guess he was close to having 3.6 shots per game when he was in leipzig yeah. across a two yeah. good season and almost all his statistics have dropped uh, in this year but I guess overall, if you ask me, both on both my opinion, both on Havertz and Lampard, Havertz was still coming to late in detail. I guess though there was a decline in Werner's form, I I wouldn't say it was so worrying because we did see that he was getting into the right position. Right? It was just about his finishing touch and finishing that. And yeah, that's a, that was going to come eventually. But other than that, I guess he had a fine season. To be honest, not not a disaster one like Havertz did. Would you would you disagree with that? 
um for his standards yes because i expect a lot from uh, werner i i always expected harvards to struggle to be honest because one thing you need to get the system right with him and also that he's just a young kid you know a german who's coming to new club and is getting a new language new culture so and in a, he's playing in a very unique position as well so i did expect him to struggle but i expected werner with the way he plays to like hit the ground running which he did to be fair but um, is this a matter of confidence where the striker is just like a goalkeeper right so if you there's no confidence you don't shoot well and I, you were talking about leipzig right so he always has this habit of cutting and shooting and shooting it and uh, you were saying that and in the very similar ca- cases in chelsea he has had a very poor return at that as well he has i think major percentage of his goals have come like that against for leipzig but it's not been the case for chelsea as well so this is this a confidence uh, you know issue there i'm expect him to fire soon is just is just a being out of form you know um, it's like that werner i think should do okay it's howards that i was more worried about yeah like uh, we're talking about howards i guess even his, his stats drop has been like quite shocking like he had around two shots per game and he was pressing really well in that uh, and more than his statistics drop i guess it was all down to lampard on figuring out how to use havertz perfectly because when he was playing in leverkusen he was mostly the second striker who makes deep runs into the box like uh, and kind of uh, doesn't nearly move based on him he, he does create quite a number of chances but then he was playing more like a second striker where he had a lot of opportunities to come and cut back and score the goals but then i've seen lampard use him in variety of positions and did not get any return from him in any positions and uh, that's that's actually a worrying thing for a coach because you i don't know whose decision was it to get havertz or is it a system based signing or did they think that uh, this is a guy who's a hot prospect who's going to be one of the best players in the world for the next 10 years let's tie him up in chelsea and like let's figure it out once he comes in or is it the kind of signing they said okay we see a gap in this position we need to go and improve and have us as the player uh, who need who can do this job for us because if it is the latter we are not seeing the returns and if it's the former i think that's a worrying thing about chelsea's recruitment oh i agree sir that's a it's a really uh, a big uh, source of concern and that's probably one of the biggest factors i would say that uh, lampard was sacked was not able to get the best out of howards like he tried like you said he they were tried in a lot of positions eight as a 10 false nine right side but you know and even as a cm so um, yeah, it's not been very successful he's not able to get much out of howards and even when he did start playing well he got covid as well so there was that so like i personally know, uh, you know we, we have been facing with pogba as well he took him a while to get back into shape, fitness and shape although after suffering with covid so that is that also like brought him down um uh, there's a lot of question marks sai um about who signing was it um but whoever signing is for me havertz is one of the biggest talent young talents in the world right now i was a big fan at leverkusen over the last couple of seasons actually ever since he was 18 and always been a big fan and i was actually super jealous when chelsea bought him but um, it's all about finding the right system to get him, get the best out of him but uh, best of him right like and that's and his form is a major concern for the hierarchy and that's like i said it's one of the biggest concerns or reasons why frank was uh, sacked as well and along with that you know zh has also been like injured often and that does not help his case as well so and statistically if you look at it lampard has a second worst win percent as well uh, since all the since roman abramovich took over right uh, in 2003 and he has the worst points per game as well so not a lot going on for frank actually so on the field there are a lot of factors in that he couldn't get the best out of one the rumors about him losing you know a couple of people's respect or you know losing the dressing room a bit so a lot of factors say like um, from on the field aspect of things yeah uh, i think you summarized it pretty well overall and we always felt that this is kind of a tough job for a manager who's coming in with just one year of managerial experience and uh, i guess kind of he kind of overachieved in the first season uh, whether it's is doing or the other clubs around struggling because even last year they had poor run of form then and they kind of scraped 
one or two wins in the last weeks to get into the Champions League. And also Leicester like massively dropped from the third position. They were cruising in, I guess, even ahead of Manchester City at some point. And that, that was a weird Premier League season last year where there were a lot of clubs around who were contending for top four till the last four or five weeks of the game week and then they dropped. So, when you look at it as a whole in the last season, I guess at least the position-wise, you kind of overachieved, ignoring all the other stuff which is happening around in other clubs. And uh, when you put that kind of a pressure on you in that first season, I guess the expectation is just going to be higher. Because let's say uh, the narrative surrounding it was that they lost Havertz. Sorry, they lost Hazard and they are in a transfer ban. And uh, this was the narrative going around it. And they wanted a manager to, you know, kind of get some good vibes around the club and Lampard seemed to be the right fit. Let's say he achieved a decent sixth place finish and a FA Cup final uh, spot and that would have been okay with the, like the board's expectation the next season would be like, okay, get the top four, go closer to Liverpool and City and then we'll figure it out from the next season. So next season we'll go on for the title. But then when you, you achieve top four and when you go to the FA Cup final, and uh, it looks like, okay, you already reached the second step. Now you just have to move to the, the next step, which is title challenge. And we'll give you all the tools we want because we have a gazillion rupees in our bank account. So I guess that expectation factor played a massive part in sacking the Lampard because I don't think it would have been the case if last season I had gone to the, the narratives which were in Chelsea. I agree, sir. Actually, there's a very interesting point that you pointed out um, about, you know, getting good vibes back into the club. I think that's a very interesting point. And I think that's true in a lot of sense because hiring Lampard was always a risk. Uh, a manager who just had one season with Derby, he's just, you know, learning his trade, you know, directly a top four club um, job. And um, you actually mentioned very good. I really think so. I really think that because of the transfer ban and... Uh, you know, they just needed somebody, somebody like Lampard, who's like a legend of the club, you know, to bring back the vibes, like you say, and, uh, you know, get the fans and uh, get the fans into good terms with them. And, you know, because of the band, get get some good academy players through. And, and he has done that. He has, he has actually done really well in the first season. He managed to get some really good academy products at Tamori, who's actually now moved on to AC Milan, which is unfortunate. And uh, your Reese James, Mason Mount are actually starters right now, regular starters under him. And Tammy Abraham, who technically not officially, he didn't bring it up, but he's still an uh, academy product as well. So And Billy Gilmore, uh, you know, highly rated uh, center midfielder. So he has done a good job, like you said, like a first season and he, he did exactly what they expected. And uh, I, um, the pressure started coming when they, you know, decided to sign, spend a huge amount of money and they were expected to push on for a title. And, um, you know, they didn't, I, honestly, I did not expect them to do, expect them to, you know, expect Lampard to do that. Um, this is just going to be a temporary phase, um, like just somebody to get through them the transition. And I think when Lampard took the job, he was well aware of it too. I think from what the athletic reports, um, he had an, he had a job offer for a lot more money somewhere else. But he chose this because it's very difficult when the club you love the most come, you know, uh, with an offer for a job, possibly his dream job as well. And uh, he could not turn it down. And he knew the risk. He knew how uh, Chelsea political structure is in the club. He knew the politics. He knew how ruthless they are. And he decided to give it a shot. So credit to him for that. But uh, uh, it's all, it is always going to be a risk. right? It is always yeah, going to I be guess a risk. even when they were signing him, I guess they were a couple of Chelsea... Uh, hierarchies, couple of people from Chelsea hierarchy who kind of had the doubt that if Lampard is really the way forward and I guess uh, those people still exist in the club and that's their narrative seem to be right. Now, let's get in, or into the off-field stuff because I think that's where a lot of drama happened uh, and it's not surprising when you deal with the Chelsea board and like what what exactly happened there, Neeraj? Like what, what was going on and, Oh, Sai, uh, trust me, when I first heard about all the politics, when the rumours about Sir Lampard sacking, I was actually not surprised because it's Chelsea, but because it was Lampard, you know, I didn't really expect that much. So, um, at the, on the, so the, apparently his relationship with uh, Marina Granovskia, uh, who is uh, Chelsea's technical director, had like 
completely deteriorated like remarkably so there are a lot of things you know that he had to take like we were saying that uh, you know how he was aware of the risk to take the job and all that so he had to t- take a lot of things in his stride you know accept things that is beyond his control like even he is actually uh, actually sir i don't know if you knew this but he was not paid enough technically because his wages negotiation was out of his hand and he was paid less than what usually another manager would get and um, there are a lot of other stuff so and i think the main thing which he was not happy with uh, with uh, the involvement of loan technical coach chelsea's loan technical coach uh, edin newton in the daily proceedings and uh, there's a lot of tensions there and when in january um, when edin newton did move on to another club and that just you know just sparked even more fire between the relationship with lampard and marina so apparently at least from what the athletic reports it seems that the tension started long time ago close to exactly one year back you know when he wanted to bring in zh werner and you know actually even arsenal's overmang as well because at the time he was struggling uh, a lot of issues behind his contract signing as well so to you know push them towards the 1920 season strongly and uh, he could not get those targets although february um, chelsea did sign zh but he would not come until the next summer that is basically this season so he had a problem with that and i think what made it worse was the entire kepa situation and um, from what i i've read it's you know marina and the board uh, wanted lampard to you know man manage kepa better so that he can get back into form because he's a 71 million investment size so that's not a uh, small thing so they need to get the best out of him right so but uh, you have to feel for frank there because after a series of you know high profile mistakes lampard cannot i don't think any same manager could trust kepa even a little bit and asked him and he immediately put in for a replacement as well so this just again uh, brought tensions in the relationship and somewhere around that february march was when you know the chelsea board led by marina was looking for uh, you know bringing another manager she from uh, what's being reported she was also interested in bringing uh, pochettino in or uh, nagelsman or tuchel as plan b as well in case if things go even further down because at the time they could not do much about lampard because he was getting results they were the top four they were doing having a good run in um, the fa cup as well and beyond that um, yeah, i guess so- even in uh, uh, in the summer after the fa cup loss i guess it was even reported that lampard would have quit if it was any other club other than chelsea because that is a lot because that's actually a positive season if you ask me from the where they started and to to quit from there uh, that says the amount of pressure he was under from the board oh yeah oh that is um, that that's, uh, that's an interesting point say uh, because lampard who loves his club a lot to finish top 4 and uh, you know fa cup final and you know say that he was willing to walk out so there's a lot about the situation and the tensions there right there's a uh, other fact and can you imagine chelsea who spent around 200 plus million to buy so many quality players and fraud is being reported it's apparently only chilwell was his only first choice target um right so that's shocking because um, like we have all known uh, you know chel uh, the relationship between chelsea and declan rice right so declan rice for the listeners who do not know was chelsea's youth academy product who was rejected by the club and now he's probably one of the best if not the best dms in the league and lampard really wanted to bring declan rice back and that just irritated the chelsea board because they did not want to get back they did not want a pogba situation where you know they get back an academy player or reject for a higher price and it is also mentioned that he wanted also burnley starkowski as well as center back he was not given that as well and um, a lot of issues side like talk about the relationships so tensions has been building and uh, there were also some reports that you know some players were not given tactical instructions for quite some time and felt left out of you know lampard's trusted preferred group of players especially from what I, especially kepa was quite vocal about it which i doesn't make sense i mean the way he was playing there's no way uh, he could not be he could be picked you know but um, that's for uh, I, that's an entirely you know, different thing right you know i don't think it's just kepa who did not get anything because it says that he had a preferred likable guys who were there in the dressing room and i guess even every manager has that like even arteta pep klopp even ole everybody has the players who they really like 
but then to completely ignore the other players or completely you know disregard them uh it's it's bad right you know they have it's their bad. own careers yeah. they want to progress like at least they want to know where they're going wrong so that they can correct and come into the system it's it's like completely freezing them without even giving them any idea or without even uttering a single word to them it's kind of bad on a manager's uh side and also not having any sorts of thing to hold on to like let's say you are someone like a jurgen klopp who has won a champions league who's won league titles in dortmund and uh in liverpool if someone like that does it to you then you have something like okay i want experience manager i know what i am doing so there is something you can hold on to when the board asks you a question but then uh, for a rookie manager you need to have the dressing room intact because when something goes against you there's nothing to hold back and i guess that's one of the big mistakes which lampard did yeah uh, yeah i i i freeze that there's a there's a bit of uh, there there's a bit of borinio in him isn't there it's obvious that not only as he influences the player but as a manager as well so when i read the reports it felt a lot of borinio vibes there yeah yeah 100% like i can totally get yeah so these are the main reasons basically why uh, you know uh, lampard was sacked and um, after especially after the leicester game so frank knew his time was up so he was already you know uh he was shaking the players hands you know to thank them for their efforts under him and uh, so yeah uh, these are the cases so unfortunately lampard he knew the risk when he took the job and uh, with the tensions building already i'm pretty sure he wanted to you know leave get some more experiences and then you know uh, that it, it was not going well for him in the club and um, chelsea is not the sort of clubs you know to uh, will afford to give you time to you know build something special or something like that but he has done well if you ask me especially first is we were talking about the first thing about the academy and you know um getting top 4 and fa cup well and he had a really good first season but then uh, you know after such an investment they would he was already under immense pressure with everything so not too surprising i must say i mean i'm surprised with the timing of the sacking but uh, but yeah i'm not surprised by the sack i think i'm pretty sure they waited until the luton game so that you know he could go out with the win so it, it made sense why he made the mason mount captain and you know the youth academy players were like abraham scored a hat trick so i think they wanted to you know make sure that he gets a win before um, you know um, he's relieved from his duties yeah uh, i guess that's quite a good summary of lambert's time at chelsea Uh, it had his own ups and downs like uh, he had his great moments as a manager and it's tough times too and that's that pretty much happens in your first or second job now that lampard is finally out of chelsea now that uh, like we just hope the best for him like we hope he kind of recovers from the mental stress he was under right now uh, like when everything is all said and done what should lampard do here like where, where do you think he should go what should be the next steps oh, for lampard I- yeah i think he'll probably take some time off you know um take some time off because like we said like you mentioned he was under a bit of pressure and mental stress so he'll probably take some time off but he'll always be a very wanted man in the media like sky bt amazon they he's a smart pundit he's a very smart and intelligent man with an exceptional footballing brain so it's at least for the time being at least he will end up with the media i think it's a good option for him but i think when when he feels the time is right he will get back to coaching again you know i think what he can do is you know work under a experienced manager learn some trades or he could do a gerard you know go to a lower league or go to the championship or like a so a club like newcastle or some somewhere like that where you can afford to make them mistakes and then you can learn from them right so it's not like a club like chelsea who is always under immense pressure to you win 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 so you can afford to make mistakes at clubs like this and then you learn from them right so or like i said he could always work under a manager like pep or you know uh, someone experienced right where he can learn and fine tune his uh, his tactics with the where he went wrong what he can do learn management better something like that so you know uh, again i'm i still like lampard no matter what people say i think he's really a bright young manager because i've seen some games where he's tactically done really well so there is some potential there in really really good manager he'll make it i'm sure he'll make it um, he's a smart man after all and i'm pretty sure he'll get back to the drawing board soon so wishing lampard all the best and we'll see uh, what he does next yeah like i don't know if he'll necessarily go be an assistant to someone because like i guess everybody has kind of this bit of an ego because 
once they are established as a first team manager it's kind of a downgrade to go and work as assistant although that's not really a like a bad idea because if you learn from the likes of pep if you have a chance to learn from the likes of pep guardiola it's nice but i guess that's really unlikely but i do have a bit of a good proposition like like a plan i guess you should take the job at celtic like neil lennon is actually under a bit of pressure right now and i guess it's the sack is coming very soon and celtic will be looking for a new manager and uh, we all know what celtic does in previously like they did hire some good progressive managers they did pay them a lot even brendan rodgers who was had a fantastic couple of uh, seasons at chelsea he was paid really well so the payment is not an issue and uh, we all see what steven gerrard is doing at rangers right he's doing exceptionally well and uh, scottish league is kind of a place which is not completely similar to the premier league uh, it's totally not at the level of premier league but i guess that is a league where there is not really much of a competition for you to you know go and embarrass yourself there and i guess with celtic you can no matter what how worse you do uh, you'll pretty much be in the top two spots and that's a place where you can learn the trades i guess that's a good uh, they have a good academy they have good talents there and i guess celtic job will be a good interesting thing to take uh, if he gets that's a, a championship if he gets a championship club uh, i don't think derby is there anytime soon but if he gets a good championship club uh, he, may, he can take the job but i guess managing a club like celtic is really good because celtic is actually a big club when you consider english football and uh, that kind of mimics what you will do in a high profile job because celtic is a big club in scotland and that is kind of good because uh, that'll give you that'll give him a good experience and he can make as he said he can afford to make mistakes and learn from there so i guess that's a good thing to take because i don't see him uh, getting any top jobs like jobs in premier league as of now although i did read somewhere that the brighton uh, brighton's uh, hierarchy kind of like lampard but i don't think they're going to sack graham potter because they are building something there so i do i do believe that celtic job which comes right into my mind right now but also maybe in germany also because that's actually a good place where you can build an attacking football style so those two other places i would look for if i am frank lampard in in interesting options i i um, really interesting options so the lot of options for lampard so we'll see where he goes from here so now that um, lampard's fired so a couple of days back we are, it's been announced you know that um, thomas tuchel former psg manager will take over chelsea and um, interesting choice because i personally felt interesting because as a manager i'm a big fan of tuchel but uh, he has had his past problems with uh, yes the last two clubs at least with the boards or with some members of the board as well so sai what do you make of the appointment yeah like i got kind of went into a deep dive on uh Tuchel's career from the beginning, but first let's look into why they actually came into Tuchel's uh, job. Like they were actually big fans of Mauricio Pochettino, and I guess if Poch was still available, he would be the manager of Chelsea. But then when he went to PSG, they started looking for alternatives, and I guess they really liked the idea of uh, a German philosophy of football because they see what Klopp has done for German footballers and German school of football. and the success he had in the premier league like similar to what arsen wenger did for french managers early days klopp did for german managers and that's the reason why they wanted nagelsmann a lot but then it was really difficult to persuade him out of leipzig right now and uh, uh, he is still under contract for leipzig and leipzig are not going to let nagelsmann leave now and ideally the next step was to uh, bring in ralf ragnick who's kind of like a the guru for all these young like these current crop of german coaches uh, they offered him an interim role which i guess it's kind of bad uh, because when you consider the contract tuchel is in which is 18 months i guess ragnick would have done a good job with the 18 months as well uh, but then uh, obviously ragnick would not be interested to take an interim role so he rejected them and the next ideal guy was to go for thomas tuchel uh, interestingly enough like when antonio conte was sacked they when they were started they, when they started looking for managers to replace antonio conte they actually interviewed tuchel and some of them really liked tuchel a lot but then they were not completely convinced with that because uh, his previous stints 
were in Dortmund and Mainz where it did not end well and they had reservations on his tactics also a bit. So they did not get him. Uh, but then they finally landed uh, on... They had good impression on Tuchel and he was under the radar. So I guess you would say he was kind of the fourth option right now. And uh, with the contract he's in, I guess he is uh, under good pressure of getting the best result the next season or he's gone again, right? Uh, do you think this is a good managerial appointment or do you think they could have gone for a bit more a pragmatic manager, like let's say an allegory or someone who is still available for a management job? Mm. What do you make of this in all? Ah, Sai, because um, personally, um, I'm, it's like I said, like personally, I'm a big fan of Tomal Tuchel um, because... Um, I, I think he's, uh, I, I'm sure we'll be talking more about this, but I genuinely, genuinely think he's one of the, you know, um, the genius uh, managers out there in the modern world right now. And when you have a world-class op- option there who plays attacking football and, you know, who gets results, uh, who gets titles, who he has a history of, you know, improving teams wherever he has gone. So with the attraction to not get him is a bit too high, uh, too low. To be honest, and Allegri is a world class, and actually, in my opinion, under uh, underrated manager as well. But uh, it's like what we say: what is our definition of attracting football or attacking football? And Allegri, it's along the same mold of Mourinho or Simeone, who plays defensive football. And I don't think um, the Chelsea board are big too fan of him. So I would say it's the right appointment. We'll get more into that because he has had his past problems with the, the other yeah, clubs' boards as well. So, yeah, we'll get into that. So, let's dive into the brief history of what made Thomas Tuchel, right? He was actually a, a good player coming through the ranks in Germany. But then at the age of 25, he picked up a knee injury and his career kind of ended there. Uh, he Surprisingly, he met Ralph Ragnick in, this, in his uh, early career. And Ragnick actually pushed him into management. He offered him some scouting jobs. And that's where he got into this uh, management so, he actually started his stint with Augsburg too. And uh, he did pretty well over there. He also coached their youth team. They also won the youth cup. So, he already had the knack of, you know, working with really, really young talents who are very raw and bringing them into good potential. And that was very impressive. So, he got a job at Mainz. And if you look at it's really interesting because he completely followed Klopp everywhere. Like, when Klopp left Mainz, he came into Mainz. Uh, so Klopp left to Dortmund and he was managing Mainz when Klopp left Dortmund he came into Dortmund so that's how it was there and uh, like in this Chelsea's managerial uh, list there was Nagelsmann right uh, they, he actually uh, helped Nagelsmann start his coaching career he offered him scouting jobs for the club uh, in uh, Mainz and that's how Nagelsmann even started his coaching job because and even like even Nagelsmann went to a career ending injury so they kind of had the sympathy for each other so Usually helped Nagelsmann to start his coaching career. And his mind stint was actually very, very good because the club was newly promoted. They were not particularly the best side, uh, not even the mid-table sides. Uh, they, if you kind of ask me to compare the two sides from the Premier League standards, I would say they were in the range of a Brighton, something like that. So that's where they are. And uh, they were struggling to keep them afloat. Uh, but then he kind of built a good tactical identity there. And if you look into Tuchel's first tactics, I guess here he did not have this uh, tools he wanted to build an expansive, uh, a full position based style. So he went into a more pressing uh, oriented style in mind. And uh, he developed Andrew Scholler there and also a couple of good other players. And the first season he had a good ninth place finish. And uh, in this first stint, he also had wins against the big sides like Dortmund or uh, Bayern also. So that's actually a good thing. And one interesting stat which I found is that during his old fire tenure at uh, Mainz, he got the most points other than Bayern, Schalke, Dortmund and Leverkusen. That says a lot. And even he got more points or points per game than Klopp did at Mainz. So... He kind of has the knack to, you know, work with that limited uh, potential too, because it's, he's not the kind of guy who expects you to give him everything he wants to, you know, build a site. You know, he has the talent to work with the limited proposal as well. But then, 
he is known for being a very demanding coach like he is our uh, training methods are very intensive and it's everything like that and that doesn't necessarily come as a good man manager i would say because uh, you kind of like we see this with some teams right they do go under the manager fatigue they are kind of tired of his philosophies and if they don't have a good relationship with the manager uh, it's it's going to go down under and that kind of happened in mines also and also they uh, is relationship with the boards were not particularly great because he wanted more ambition from the board to you know keep keep pushing forward because he did have a good seventh place finishes and he did take him to the europa league's uh, group stages and he was hoping that they would build further there but then uh, he, the board had different plans they were not ready to invest and uh, they kind of had the uh, mix up the, of ideas over there so he asked for his contract to be terminated and they terminated his contract so he kind of took one year off and uh, you know learned a good statistics and uh, all these the stats part of football so he took one year sabbatical to learn that and from there when klopp left dortmund he had the job uh, to come back to klopp uh, i mean dortmund and he also had some good uh, offers from some other clubs but he chose dortmund because he knew that dortmund he will have the talent at his disposal to you know uh, achieve the highest level so uh if you look at his whole mines stats right he had 72 wins 46 draws and 64 losses from 182 games with a 40% win rate a 40% win rate will look a bit weird when you ask uh when you look at but in context mines are not a side which you expect to win 40% of the games so that's actually an impressive stint there he had a better stint there than even klopp uh and when he eventually replaced klopp at uh, dortmund that's when he truly became mature as a coach uh, that's where he started you know developing his tactical identity and tactical flexibility and we know klopp is a kind of a manager klopp and pep are the managers who have the fixed system and they do not tweak it much uh, klopp with his usual high pressing heavy metal football and pep with this you know positional uh, play uh, so that positional tiki taka style play uh, but then Tuchel is not that like though he comes from this german crop of managers who are known for high heavy tempo high line high pressing style of football he is he does take inspiration from guardiola as well he has a bit of both uh, some calm uh, style of football also also when he needs to press he knows how to press so that's the tactical versatility which is really impressive from him uh, and uh, he he has known to you know rebuild the sides as well like in dortmund he promoted christian pulisic who kind of had a breakthrough season under him and that is uh, going to manage christian pulisic here as well so that's a really optimistic sign for one of the chelsea's top signings and uh, during his stint at dortmund it was really tough to win the league titles because pep guardiola was also there in <clears throat> bayern munich so he did uh, achieve a good uh, league positions and everything like that and uh, like if you ask me the one good thing like one impressive thing which i saw was that obameyang was performing at a ridiculous level under uh, tom stuchel where he scored 56 goals in 63 league appearances and uh, with pulisic and dembele in the wings so if you come like if you juxtapose it to chelsea right it's kind of says what werner can expect right because If you ask me, I would say Aubameyang and Werner are quite similar. They are the kind of uh, strikers who look forward to make those runs, and you know, though Aubameyang is more mature and more uh, intelligent in finding the spaces inside the box, but I guess the overall profile of it, you can say they both are same. So I guess that's an impressive sign uh, for Timo Werner. Like he, he needs, he can be optimistic. And uh, during his last stint, it did not go quite well. Like. this is where the problems of him and his ego comes into picture because there were lots and lots of disagreements uh, from the board level and tuition like uh, you we know that dortmund is kind of a club who sells their star players and you know generates money through that or uh, tuition was not really a big fan of them like he had some disagreements in selling the star players especially to the rivals where they had no chance of winning uh, if you sell your good best players or rivals right but even uh, tuchel wanted to like you know re- get rid of some old players and you know uh, 
he did not he had some ego issues with them but uh, that did not come well with development board so there was a lot of clashes on who to sign who to leave and everything like that also uh, one of the best scouts in world football sven mislintat who was one of the main reasons for the dortmund's impressive run that time because he was the one who unearthed these gems from little leagues uh, he had a clash with him also in signing of some guy who he did not want but mislintat felt that was the right sign for dortmund to make so they had a spat in the training ground and mislintat was eventually banned by Thomas Tuchel to come into training now. So that's how worse is last and worse in terms of personal ego clashes. And uh, apart from that, like the overall narrative around Tuchel is like this, right? He's known for his superb tactical versatility. He's known for his bit, uh, good uh, building a good system and everything like that. But then the off uh, off pitch side of Tuchel is kind of difficult to deal with. But yeah, we'll come into this moment later. But then, if you look at Dot, his Dortmund career, he had 68 wins, 23 draws, and 17 defeats in 108 games with an impressive 63% win rate. That's actually really good, and his points per game was also higher than what Klopp achieved when he was at Dortmund. Uh, so I don't think we need to discredit him for not winning the title over there. Uh, yeah, Klopp was a world-class coach. He did win the title, but then. when he was managing there was pep guardiola's bayern side who were like look like a, one of the best sides in europe so uh, i'm not discrediting him for not winning the league he did win the dfb pokal finals uh, so i don't know uh, if you would call that as a failure stint over there just because he didn't win trophies like klopp did but so i would call that is dortmund thing a big success so after he got sacked eventually after the dfb pokal finals so Uh, he went to PSG on a two-year deal. Uh, that that's where I guess he kind of matured. He kind of learned from his mistakes. He uh, became a good man manager. Neymar uh, especially had good praises for him. Even uh, Mbappe had good words to say about him. Verratti, everybody liked him really well. So uh, that there, uh, his first stint was not particularly impressive when you uh, consider the domestic tournaments where he got knocked out. in united to united in the champions league in their uh, famous 3-1 win in paris and then he got knocked out in the quarter finals of coupe de league uh, so but then he did eventually win the league title uh, he amassed like an incredible number of points in his two stints at psg uh, but eventually not not a big surprise he had another spat with leonardo where they again had uh, the clashes in transfers like he wanted some players uh, to go he would, uh, leonardo did not approve it he was actually particularly open about his weaknesses in full back region and uh, leonardo didn't fancy it uh, like we know right psgr did not have a good full back system so uh, that's uh, that's that's where they kind of fought and he also said openly in an interview that it looked it did, does not look like he's some sort of a coach he looked like some sort of a minister who's managing a country because that's how it is like it's the entire country who's managing the club so uh, obviously a psg stint is really tough when you consider the pressure you are there when and to win uh, a lot there and the best thing he did probably there was to like build his reputation is that he went as far as any psg manager ever did where he reached the champions league final which he potentially could have even won because it was such a close game where both the sides had great number of chances to win but then finally ban scraped it through uh, so that would have been a massive boost to his resume but but then he still had a great great stint with psg he had 95 wins 13 draws and 19 defeats uh, where uh, his points he had 75% win rate which he kept on improving and his points per game was around 2.37 which is actually the best in the psg era tied with his predecessor unai emery so this is actually the his overall stint for his managerial career from start to finish uh, and i guess we kind of see a pattern over here right from what he does and what happens yeah it's quite an impressive career no sai like coming from psg especially his work with mainz or something is like very impressive taking them to europa league as well like building on from klopp's work and uh, yeah maybe he might be disappointed that you know taking alfin taken uh, psg to the finals they lost to admittingly a very extremely powerful bayern team as well uh, but with tushel comes perfection and there been lot of like lots of stories about how he you know 
coaches place for improvement is in that side yeah exactly like you there there are a lot of players who kind of had a breakthrough under him like he's he is known for his meticulous approach and his unique training techniques even uh, something which is going on in social media viral right now is that they kind of train with a small ball a small tennis ball sorry a small football which is different because we we haven't seen that yet at least i haven't seen that yet uh, so there have been records of him having a good uh, a training routine and a good like we saw what happened with lampard right there were players who were complaining about them not having a good tactical plan going into the game so they were kind of clueless on what to do uh, i don't think that's going to be a problem with tushil so he is known for this meticulous approach to you know get those little, little details and even he knows to you know he he gives a tennis ball to the defender's hands and he asks them to hold hold it in the training because so that they can avoid pushing and pulling and you know those sorts of giving those nasty fouls away so that's the meticulous that's how meticulous tushil is and uh, he in anas is a give break to a lot of players when in his dortmund and mainz days um that's that's quite an interesting narrative isn't it sai so let me ask you sai so with all his tactical perfection and acumen and how he's very flexible with the systems and all that how do you see him you know uh, fitting with this chelsea squad because i think the main reason one of the main reason he was hired like you already talked about is german football that they fans of you know like so werner or howards benefiting it as well as pulisic one who has worked under him so how do you see to uh, tuchel's uh, football fitting with the chelsea side and uh, i guess uh, this is a good hire in a way if you consider his tactical versatility uh, he's not he is as i said earlier he is a german coach but then he is not completely a german coach like a jurgen klopp because he as i say he gets a lot of input like influence from guardiola he is known to you know have a calm uh, slow build up phase as well and he also has the identity of being a pressing side so i guess this adaptation is going to be quite good for chelsea because they need not immediately he did not immediately implement his ideas he can slowly take it into where he wants to go and uh, his formation is also varying from club to club uh, in dortmund he was mainly known to use a 4231 Uh, where he had around 24 games, he played a 4-2-3-1, and his 4-3-3 was just a six games. But then, when you look at his PSG stint, 4-3-3 was the most played formation in PSG. So that says that he knows to uh, build a, a lineup for a good side. And there was not he in is is a guy who you know keeps rotating the starting eleven a lot. Uh, like I don't think it's a good thing for FPL managers. Like. now we know where he gets his influence from guardiola right he is known to you know rotate his squad a lot and i guess uh, the interesting start which i read is that the psg midfield of ander herrera uh, marco verratti and idrisana gay those three was his most preferred uh, midfield three and even they started only four games together so that says how he keeps rotating the sides so he is known to you know so since chelsea have a massive squad with massive talents uh, and even in this attacking areas where there is like a lot of talent at disposal i guess everybody is going to get their chances everybody is going to get keep rotating so i don't think the likes of mason mount or kalamatsunodo uh, or need like they need to be really worried because they are going to get those chances because of the rotations and i guess the problem where i see is that how he is going to use the likes of havertz and how he is going to use the likes of kante because he is known to have a number 6 who's who's a good at distributing the ball from the deep who's kind of calm and collecting the ball under pressure and who's kind of good at releasing the ball into the final third i don't necessarily think kante is that kind of a player to play in the number 6 because the style of the destructive number 6 i guess there is not that much right now uh, so i don't let's let's wait and see if he uses kante in a more number 8 free role where he is given the ability to you know like what he what sari did with kante a little bit where he can go freely where he can roam around the pitch do this nasty work and also progress the ball and i guess jorginho is going to have a good couple of games under him because jorginho is that kind of a player who he liked earlier and he likes antonio rudiger as well so rudiger is going to get good time so i guess his transition is going to be quite easy but is the main problem is just his contract it is just under 18 months so uh, does he go for building it 
for next season or uh, going for a long term or does he immediately wants his results or does he immediately want to build his identity because that's where uh, the line comes into so let's see what happens with this tactical system but i guess his versatility is going to really help this chelsea squad hmm uh, i agree sir. so there was this one uh, uh, quote from tushel that i heard that uh, you know he sees uh, kante as uh, more of a midfielder who plays as a double pivot and i could not agree more because i i am not a fan of kante like we were mentioning about kante playing in that number 6 hole in a 4 3 3 i was never a big fan of that he is always that one you know who who thrives in that double pivot role where he can go make recoveries tackles distribute to his midfield partners and all that so when i saw this quote and like okay he is going to use kante properly and it's going to be interesting to see like you said he rotates the players a lot so he has different options in kante jorginho is probably going to make a claim in the squad again and uh, kovacic as well so it's what what's more interesting to see is how it will affect the mason mount especially he was one of lampard's favorites like he used to you know start most of the games at least so and uh, for the for, for uh, tuchel's first game for chelsea he, he went for experience as well so he dropped mason mount for the game so it's going to be very interesting to see how he uses um mount from now uh, really and uh, we saw the first game against wolves uh, a massive change wasn't there size just like a quad close to 850 passes and yeah. uh, they yeah there are lot it is amazing uh, intensity and energy in the pitches and uh, i think in the last final third there were around 16 recoveries in the final third that's insane but although it's a good sign it's a really good sign but uh, you know you always sack a manager and there's always this blip perform where everything goes well could be that no problem for tuchel is you know getting that sustain you know getting and but what i was most impressed with that how howards played that game i felt like howards was playing his natural game he was playing in that free roll from the midfield like dro- uh, dropping d moving wide overlapping giroud uh, pushing to both the flanks and uh, making that ghost runs uh, beyond the defense while uh, you know giroud was uh, occupying the defense i really like how was especially the first half i thought he was really good uh, he looked more and more like the player we know so it'll be interesting to see uh, how tuchel uses his versatility versatility like we yeah. uh, talking about Even- even he admitted in the press conference that with the limited number of tactic i mean training he had he had to go with the experience and that's why he had to drop some of the likes of mason mount but then i don't think mason mount is very really well because he is actually a really good player and this it's no wonder that the managers under him like him like him a lot because he is a good hard worker of the ball as well so i guess he is going to get a good number of game minutes uh, and the thing i i kind of saw some of the ideas which he wants to implement over there um, it was interesting to see kalamats uh, nodai like implemented as a wing back kind of uh, role where is hnm where and kind of linking him linking up there and you know uh, jorginho sitting back and coach uh, is kind of you know finding this half spaces to you know give the ball there and howards letting him roam and i guess howards had one of his good games like though the result showed 0-0 and i guess the fair result it was a 0-0 game but then there was good uh, tactical identity on what we wanted to see they they were attacking those off spaces they were having this positional build up and uh, it's too much to look into it we don't know if it, there are like super optimistic signs or it's just because they didn't score it's a super pessimistic sign so but then that's a good thing for starters right so i guess is the manager who knows how to you know build a best system for the squad he is in right now and i guess that's what chelsea needs more than having and having a idea or having a tactical plan and building the players to this uh, which is going to take massive time and i don't think chelsea is going to give them this time uh, he is known for the manager he is known as a manager who you know who can build a system around the tools he has right now and maximize them to the full potential so i guess that's the best that's the sign we need to look forward for the rest of the season and let's see where they go from uh next transfer window yeah uh, we'll see i think mostly he'll go for a squad build it's it's actually very fascinating that 18 month length contract has really fascinated me because chelsea is used to give out 3 4 years contract so uh, 18 months is something fascinating so i guess they have an option to extend it scenario. extend it yeah. for one more they year do, do. so i guess the guaranteed one is just 18 months 
yeah it's just uh, very unusual of chelsea so i think this narrative is something i'm very fascinated to see because uh, one uh, chelsea should be considered a dangerous squad from now two is that with this history of past uh, arguments with our uh, friction with the board and with this chelsea board and uh, and the contract link as well so it'll be very interesting this chelsea narrative is promising to be inter- interesting so uh, i guess uh, we'll finally end this with our little on predictions on how tuchel's career is going to go at chelsea right so what what do you think is going to happen for the rest of the season and probably the next year as well um i think it's going to go well uh, i think the rest of the season is going to go well actually i think his tenure here is going to go well because i really like to uh, to hell and that's something that's worrying me to be honest because uh, for for the time being at least chelsea had was below there so we were not really thinking about chelsea that much as a rival for a top 4 but to uh, hell coming in is um, kind of a you know kind of a warning sign for premier league you know chelsea is not done yet but i think um, they will make oh, uh, i still don't think they'll make the top 4 i think they will be in the top 6 uh, like uh, we gave up top 4 predictions obviously last week so i don't think there's any changes to that like i still believe that uh, chelsea won't make the top 4 um, so yeah i think but overall i think i think his tenure is going to be successful for the next 18 months in terms of squad building or in terms of trophy so i know generally we have an attitude to seeing winning trophies as a sign of success but uh, somebody like tuchel or you know uh, you do you, there are different varying parameters to check how much of a success he was and he has been successful wherever he has gone according to me at least so i say with chelsea is going to be two yeah like i that's an interesting point because i don't know if he's necessarily going to win any like win the league next year because and but i do believe that he has a good chance of winning a league with the squad and with the players by inter system so i guess this is going to be a good sign but the main interesting thing comes in the next transfer window right is they really going to invest a lot of money or since they're going to say we have done a lot just enough is enough just go do whatever you can with this thing uh, so that's when this real problem rises right so i'm i don't know if uh, it's going to be any different from his previous three stints so i guess he's going to have a good a decent resume when he leaves chelsea but uh, i guess he's going to have another clash with board because chelsea is just like all those other boards if not worse so that's where i stand on it like i know he has chances of winning trophies but then i don't know if he's going to be the long term manager for chelsea so that's where i end this conversation Uh, so we have come to the end of this episode where we had a detailed discussion on both lampard's tenure and what we can expect from tuchel in his chelsea days uh, so this is actually an exciting time for premier league football with another great tactical manager coming into this league with already an incredible number of tacticians there in the league right now uh, i guess this is going to be another competitive era in the premier league we are very much excited for that and uh, Uh, let's see how the future's career goes in chelsea and uh, and uh, follow us on youtube as well we have the link in the description so please follow us on youtube subscribe there and give us a follow on our social media platforms thanks guys and stay safe